0: about 4 years ago Kelsey and I came back to Sarasota to visit family and we were here in town and while I was here in town I really began to kind of question like hey are we I'm feeling like we need to come back home to plant a church We were on our way back to our home in Lynchburg Virginia and in the car ride, uh, I remember looking over to Kelsey and just saying, do you at all feel called to go back home? Like to go back to Sarasota and plant a church. And Kelsey looked at me and just said, no, no. like <laughs> a very flat no. That night when we got home, I remember I was just praying about it. And I said, Lord, I really feel like you spoke to me and told me that it's probably time to go back home, but uh, Kelsey's just not on board. And so uh, I, I need you to kind of do a work in her life. And if you do, then then we'll kind of know. It was maybe six months later, we had actually flown down to Orlando to do like a family vacation. We flew back from Orlando to Roanoke and we're on that same drive back six months later and Kelsey just turned to me in the conversation and said, do you feel like we're called to go back home? And I just looked at her and I said, yeah, I just don't know when or how. I don't think we had a name. We weren't being funded by anybody. We hadn't raised support. It was still just all like an idea. God kind of put it on both of our hearts at different times, but that way it was kind of like a confirmation for both of us we do need to go home to Sarasota. So we sold our house and we packed up our three kids and moved. Like, and we think we arrived like two days before Christmas. Two days before Christmas. And so um, it was like a shell shock moment. Uh, It was one night, I was putting my oldest daughter, uh, our oldest daughter, Piper, to bed. And you know, you're just checking in on your kids. That's a big move for them too. And their life had really taken a big shift. And I just said, hey, I call her Peabody. I said, Peabody, how how are you doing? And she said, yeah, like, yeah, dad, I'm okay. But she just said something and she didn't, I don't think she ever knows the power of the words that she said, Um, she just said, yeah, I just miss my friends. So I remember, like, I walked out of that room, and she didn't know. I just said, I love you. And, like, I know you miss your friends. I miss my friends. And, uh, like, but we're going to make great friends here, too. And uh, she was fine, but I was devastated. I just reached a point where I felt really broken. And I was kind of bawling. And I'm not a big crier. And I was, like, crying. Crying, crying. Like, ugly. You know, uh real crime. I looked at Kelsey, and I just said, look, like, cards are on the table. Uh, this is a, we might admit. like, what if we made a rash decision? We can easily recover from this and head back. And she said, I, I wish I could tell you to go do the easy thing, but we're not called to do the easy thing, we're called to do the hard thing. And so, like, we're called to be here. And I remember just like in that moment, it's kind of like my spine stiffened for a second. And I was like, yeah, you're right. First Baptist Sarasota, it's this beautiful church on Main Street. I remember walking past it one time and going, I really feel like God has called us to use that building. And I think he's called us to do it Saturday night. So I felt God say, start walking around the building and pray for it. And so for a year, um, Saturday nights at 5, 5.30, I would walk around the building and I would just pray to God. Like if this is the place, would you open the door? If this is the place, would you make this happen? There was this one day, a buddy of mine. He planted a church in Bradenton. We were talking, and I said, "Paul, I have this really strange idea to ask you. What do you think about us using the chapel for Sarasota? And what what do you think if we used it for free?" And he was like, "That's so awesome! I love that idea." So that was a Thursday. On the next Monday, I got a call from Paul. He said, yeah, I got out of a meeting with the pastor of First Sarasota, and he kind of mentioned that I really wish there were more church plants in downtown Sarasota. And so Paul was like, funny you should mention that. Uh, you know, Blake Harkup wants to plant a church down here called Bedrock. I think that you should let him use the chapel on Saturday nights. And he's like, and I think you should do it for free. He's like, well, tell Blake to reach out to me. So we met at this, this little coffee shop, and he was like, so why like, why are you here? And I was like, well, uh, to be honest, I just wanted to see if we could use your chapel. We're planning a church called Bedrock. And I said, we'd, we'd love to use it Saturday nights and I- I'd love to use it for free. And we walked around the building that day and they met with their, their leadership. And we got the call like, hey, yeah, you guys are good. I don't think it's like God saw me and goes, man, you prayed so good. I'm gonna give you that building. I think it was. I always was gonna do that. You just need to be ready for it. There's times that we're like, what is what are we doing? But then on the flip side of that, it's like God's always provided lavishly. It's really simple. Like our mission is like we just want to bring God to people and people to God. We want Bedrock to be a really safe place. Like it's okay for you not to agree with what I say. It's really okay. And I don't think we're here to force anybody into anything. That's not what I'm called to do. Uh, I'm really just called to love and serve people like Jesus loved and served people and present the truth and tell the truth as we believe it. I don't think we are God's answer to the world. I think we're just doing our part. This is God's calling. This is God's preparation. And this is God's story and it's his church. And so we just want to be faithful to that. That story is easier to tell now, but in just a few days, we're going to be talking about and coming together in just a week to celebrate the launch of Bedrock. And it was February 2nd when we actually launched. And I remember about this time, four years ago, I was in desperate prayer asking God to do something. We were launching this new endeavor in this new church. And man, it seemed like the call on our life was nearly impossible. It seemed like, man, is is anyone going to come? What's going to happen? We had had some rough starts. Our very first preview service, there was a bomb threat down the road, and so we had to leave that one early. Uh, I was actually talking about fear, so it worked out okay. But when you think about it, the reason we showed that video is when we're near our anniversary, but the other part is is we're entering into this series called Teach Us to Pray. And we're going to talk about... Prayer And how important prayer is. And really that prayer is the foundation for everything that we do as believers, right? Uh, Our founder of our school that we went to called Liberty University always used to say, nothing of eternal significance happens apart from prayer. And so as we are in this theme this year, and maybe you're in this theme in your life right now, we're talking about building for the future. Where are we headed and what are we doing? And we talked about that in the last series, but there's no way to begin the year in really what's going to happen without prayer. And I don't know about you, but does anybody in here ever struggle with prayer? I mean, just like making it a regular part of your life, right? It's not complicated, but it's hard. Does that make sense? Like there just seems to be moments and times where our prayers and our prayer life just kind of falls flat or short, or we get so busy and do all of these things. Well, what I want to help us do in this series is not just uh, like force you to pray more, But really to encourage you and teach you and teach me how to pray through anything. That we can be a people of prayer. And I really want us to see that prayer cannot just be something that we do in life. It can really be our life that our life can be a life of prayer where we come together to talk about and to seek God and what he has for us. And so today, what I'm going to do is we're going to kind of do something different than we normally do. We're going to talk about prayer, but I'm really going to teach on prayer, right? Like the basics of prayer, because I think we get a little bit confused about that, right? Like if you grew up in certain backgrounds, only certain people can pray, or they pray only certain things. And what do they pray, right? And there's a rosary and there's all these beads on it and what do I do with that? And then can I pray and who's allowed to pray? And some religions, they pray four times a day uh, and they're facing a certain direction. Like, man, this prayer stuff can be kind of confusing. But here's what I really believe about prayer. They said it in the intro video. It is one of the greatest privileges that we as people of this world and as believers in Jesus Christ have. To be able to talk directly to God, and to let our hearts be known, and to pour our hearts out, and make our requests known, and pray for others, and to see miracles happen, it is a great privilege. So, a couple quick facts about prayer. This is like where the nerdy Bible stuff comes in. But, as a believer in Christ, when these kinds of things come up, you want to like say, whoa, like this must be important. So prayer is talked about in the Bible 650 times. There are over 650 prayers in the Bible. Now, if something shows up 650 times, it's probably important. Right? We always say God doesn't stutter, he repeats himself for emphasis. Right? And so we see 650 different prayers in the Bible. And of those prayers that we see, 650 the answer to those prayers 450 times is recorded. So if you don't think that prayers are answered or that God hears what is going on or sees what is happening in your prayer life, we have 450 answered prayers within the Bible. And that doesn't mean that God didn't answer the other prayers. God always answers prayers. He just may not answer it the way that you want. But God always answers prayers. The first time that prayer is mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. You know what's interesting about that? Every other time a conversation is had in the Bible before that, God initiates it. This is the first time in the Bible when we're talking about Seth that people begin to pray. The Bible describes it there in Genesis as the people began to cry out to the Lord in this time. They made a cry of their hearts out to God to, to ask God to do all of these things that were going on in their life. And then you say, well, what about the New Testament? A lot of us are New Testament people, and you're missing out on a lot of the story if you're just there. But in the Bible, Paul alone mentions prayer, prayer reports, prayer requests 41 times. 41 times in 13 letters, Paul mentions prayer. Prayer is of vital importance in our lives and in our life with Christ. And so what is prayer? Because it gets complicated, right? There's so many definitions. Like how do we really define down and distill down what prayer is and like who can participate? Right. Because like it just gets complicated. Anybody when maybe when you first became a Christian, some of you, I know you grew up in church, you're basically born in the pew. Okay. But like some of us, when I first came to church and I started attending church, prayer was really intimidating. Prayer was this thing that, like, I always felt like, man, am I gonna mess this up? Man, I don't really know how to say. Some people say God, some people say Father, some people say Jesus, some people say other words that make me feel weird, like Daddy God, and I'm like, no, 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 no that's weird, don't start that. Right? But, like, what happens is, is like, like, I was in a prayer one time, and I didn't think, I thought this broke the rules. I was in high school. this kid prayed and he said, hey, dad. And I was like, your dad's here? And he's, oh, you're talking to God. Okay, cool, all right. But I was like, what is happening in this moment? And so I wanna make it really clear for us how we can begin to pray. There's a really great book that if you're going to follow along with us in this series that I would encourage you to get as a resource, okay? It's by a guy named Tyler Stanton and the book is called Praying Like Monks Living Like Fools. And it is this book about prayer, very well done. We're going to use it as a resource as well during this series. But here's how Tyler describes prayer. Prayer invites you to learn to listen to God before speaking. Whoa, well, I thought prayer was all about me talking. Prayer may be more about us listening than it is us talking. Remember, a conversation is two ways. This isn't just like we're sending God direct messages and don't expect God to talk back, right? So it is this, where we learn to listen to God before speaking, to ask like a child in your old age, to scream your questions in an angry tirade, To undress yourself in vulnerable confession and to be loved, completely and totally loved in spite of everything. I mean, doesn't that sound like a safe place for you to be? Like when we pray and when we talk to God, what it is is here's what I hear Tyler saying. It's a place to be genuine and vulnerable and real and to really talk to God. And you say, man, but like, Pastor Blake, I thought that like Christians were never sad. I thought we never had a hard time. Well, God put the book of Lamentations and the book of Psalms into the Bible for a reason. Half of that stuff is just people complaining and having a hard time. It's just like, hey, this is hard. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what is going on. I mean, has anybody in here ever been like afraid to pray because you thought you would offend God? Like, man, if I really said how I feel right now, God would not like that. And so I'm just going to hold it all in. But God does know how you feel. The Bible tells us that He sees our hearts, He knows us to the very marrow of our bones. That's what that means. Like, to the very core of us, God sees us. And isn't that freeing for you and I? That you can be vulnerable, you can be angry, you can be hurt. You can be disappointed, you can be happy, you can be excited. Some of us not only don't want to offend God, some of us like get too worried about being excited about good things that are going on in our life, right? Because it's like, well, I don't want my whole life to be about money and all of these things. And so God, I'm going to hold back my excitement of the blessing. And God's like, don't hold back the excitement of the blessing. Let's get excited. And so what happens for all of us is, is all of these experiences from our life influence the way that we pray. Or don't pray. Like we sometimes take the greatest privilege of being a son or daughter of God. And we do not step into it because of the misconceptions we have about this life. And what prayer is really meant to be. Because here's the thing. Prayer is open to anyone. Anyone. Like, you don't have to know everything about this book. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to to even know all of this theology. But if you genuinely are seeking God, you can pray. You don't need to know the right words. You don't even have to say amen at the end. You can just pray. And you're like, well, but but Pastor Blake, like, what if I can't get the words out? That's crazy because the Holy Spirit says that when you cannot pray, when you do not have words for the things that are inside of you, the Holy Spirit interprets for you and says, hey, God, they're really having a hard time. I see their heart. I see what's going on. Let me just... And tell you what's going on. Anybody ever been there? You just don't have words to describe what's going on? The Bible says, don't worry, we got you. We'll interpret for you. So the father can hear your prayers. I mean, that's incredible. That's beautiful. That's how in tune God is. And how important prayer is. Is that God sends an interpreter for you. I mean, some of us in here, you've been so weighed down with the things of life. that You just don't have words to describe what's going on. And God says, man, your prayers are not going to be limited to your vocabulary. That's how important you are to me. That's how important hearing from you is to me. And so why do it? Why pray? I mean, I know that we're all told to do it and it's part of this Christian life, but honestly, like why pray? Anyone ever feel that way sometimes? Like why? Why Why should I even pray about that? And then some of us use prayer as like a a barrier, right? Because someone's like, hey, would you like to go out with me? And you're like, let me pray about that. Really, in your heart, you're like, I ain't praying about it. I know the answer. But you're like, it's a barrier. Let me pray about that, okay? I'm not so sure yet. And it's like, well, I know. It's like, and then the girl's like, well, I'm dating Jesus. And you're like, I didn't know he needed to date. But anyway, um, why pray? Because Jesus did. Jesus prayed. All the time, Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. He lets us in on prayer. We hear his prayers. He teaches us to pray. Over 25 times in the Gospels, we see Jesus praying. If he is the son of God and he can pray, we should too. If we're going to be Jesus followers, we need to pray like Jesus. And Jesus prayed all of the time, 25 different times. But not only... Did Jesus pray? Here's a benefit that you and I get when we pray. It prepares us. See, a lot of us use prayer in our life as a, like, this is the eject button. Or, man, I've fallen, and I'm about to hit the ground. Prayer be my parachute. But prayer, honestly, if you look at it in the Bible, is not about praying after things happen. It's about praying before they do. All the time. For a lot of us, we do life on our own, and then things get messed up, and then we pray. Hey, uh, are you seeing what's going on? I got myself in a pickle. Could you help me? Do you see what's happening? And God goes, maybe we would get into less situations like that if we had a prayer life. Prayer is about preparation. And let me tell you how I know this. In the Bible, in the Gospel of Luke, where we're going to spend a lot of our time on prayer, nine, or nine prayers are recorded of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Seven of them are before Jesus faces great crisis. Seven of the nine prayers recorded in the Gospel of Luke happen before Jesus gets into a crisis. You say, like, well, what's one? Like his prayer in the garden before he dies. Jesus used prayer as preparation, not just to get through the hard things. Jesus, even when we look at Jesus' prayer in the garden, was what? Hey, if this cup could pass me, could it? But, it, but not my will be done but yours. What is that? God, help me be prepared to receive what you do. Prayer is more about preparation than it is a prescription. You need a prescription when you're sick, right? Now, does that mean you don't pray when you're sick? Absolutely, you pray. Absolutely, you see God in those moments. But for a lot of us is God is our eternal doctor, not our savior. Like, hey, I'm messed up. Could you please help me? Could you please hear me? And God's saying, hey, we might not get into some of these situations if we prayed first if we sought the Lord first. And so one of the things that we're gonna talk about in this series is some of us need to get a little bit ahead in our prayer life. Some of us need to get ready. And maybe like some of us in here are like, man, I just wanna find my spouse. Instead of praying for your spouse, why don't you pray that you'll be the person ready to receive that spouse? Like God, we're always praying about prepare them, make them, change them. All of, do all these things. And what if he was like, help me, prepare me to be the kind of spouse that I want one day. Instead of praying about changing everybody else, what if prayer really changed us? What if it shaped us and prepared us in all of these things that we're going to deal with in life? Not only does prayer isn't important because it prepares us, but it encourages us. I mean, let me just tell you this. How many of us realize in your mind, like in the moment you are praying, you're speaking directly to the heavenly father. You're speaking to him. Like some of us would be like so excited to talk to a president or a musician or some kind of celebrity or all of these things. And at the moment that you pray, you're You're transported almost to this moment of being with the father right there, speaking to him, praying to him, him hearing you in all of these different ways. Is that not encouraging to you? Have you thought about that when you pray? You're with him. You're speaking to him. It shapes us. It it changes us. It moves us. Has anybody ever been praying for something for a really long time? And God has said no to that thing. And now your heart is aligning with his and you're okay with the no. How about this? Has prayer changed the way you treat other people? Has prayer begun to change the way that you treat yourself? For some of us in this room, like the person you're hardest on, the person you need to forgive the most, the person that you need to get over the most is you. And prayer has a way, when done properly, of taking us outside ourselves, taking us to God and learning from him. It's a conversation. It's this moment where we have this ability to really seek the voice of the Lord. But not only that, science is catching up with the beauty of prayer. Right? Because for a long time, it's like, you guys, you're praying. What does it really do? Scientifically speaking, here's what happens. People become less depressed. People become less anxious. People's eating habits can change. They have a clearer thought life. They feel closer to God. It changes them. Like it, 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 there's power in this prayer. Let me just tell you from the Bible some things that happened when people prayed. When people prayed and Jesus prayed for people, they're healed. When Jesus prayed and spoke to the Father, people were raised back to life. When Jesus prayed, people were fed with five loaves and two fish. When he prayed, when he prayed and Moses prayed, seas split. When he prayed, walls fell down. And when Jesus prayed, demons were cast out. There's power in your prayer life. And one of the greatest things that the enemy has done to so many of us Is to make you think that your prayers are falling on deaf ears. To make you believe that your prayers don't matter. To make you feel like you're talking to the wall. Why? Because there's power in it. There's power in prayer. Let me just ask all of us in here. How many of us, like once you get into prayer, you don't have to raise your hand here. But it's a struggle to stay on thought. It's a struggle to stay on topic. You just like forget to pray for so many things. I always like say like, and everything else I forgot, right? Like, why do you think that that is? Why do you think it would be so hard for us to connect with God through prayer? Because it's understood the power of prayer in this world. And so it is going to be intentionally difficult for you to pray at times. In fact, that's why the Bible says, go to your prayer closet. What does that mean? What's that idea? Get to a place that's secluded and quiet and calm with no distraction. Now, where does that mean? Does it need to be in your closet? For some of you, maybe. Maybe it needs to be like, I pray a lot at the gym. I put my headphones in when I go to the sauna. I have 20 minutes in there and I'm praying. I'm talking to God. I'm seeking after him. I pray when I wake up and I pray when I go to sleep. But what happens to so many of us is we don't pray. We don't. Like, it's, it's like having the greatest tool at your disposal, but you forgot that it's there. Prayer is only good as much as you pick it up. And so why don't we pray? Because I think the reason that many of us, though that we struggle with prayer in our life is because of fear. I think fear is the antithesis for so many of us of prayer. Let me explain. Because a lot of us, like, you don't forget to pray when the world is falling down around you, Right? right, like you got that phone call and someone's in the hospital, or like the stock market crash, or you hear about 9-11, you don't have a problem praying all of a sudden. Somehow, the situation has made you so desperate that you get over fear and you just start talking, right? Even people who aren't believers, when you hear and bad things happen, you hear, oh my God, oh my God, what's happening? Right? There's this natural proclivity within humanity to recognize in our greatest distress our need for God. But what if prayer wasn't just about distress? What if it was really about communication? Fear, I believe, is why many of us don't pray. Here's a fear that a lot of us have. I don't know how to pray. So I'm going to be like, I'm going to sound stupid, right? Like some of us in this room, you've been a Christian for a long time and someone's like, hey, will you pray? And you're like, nope. Why? I don't know how. I'm, I'm afraid of sounding silly. I'm afraid of doing all of these things. Like I'm nervous. And we've even seen this in our own kids. Like we're at dinner, we're like, hey, will you pray? And they're like, I don't know what to say. Say anything. Say anything. Whatever comes to mind, whatever comes to heart, just say what's there. The other day, Jude, I think, prayed for, like, our dogs. He prayed for the food. We always pray for the food, right? But, like, he prayed for everything. Like, the funniest things, too. He prayed for Arsenal. He prayed prayed for everybody. I think that the Lord smiled at that. To hear the, the prayer of a child in his innocence just talking to God. What a beautiful moment that is. And here's the thing. If you don't feel like you know how to pray, you're in really good company. You're in wonderful company, in fact, because in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, this is the disciples talking to Jesus, and listen what they say. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. They heard him. They're like, man, this dude's praying it up. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, he says this, look, we don't know how. Could you teach us how to pray? Could you teach us how to pray like you pray? Could you teach us how to speak to God like you speak to God? There's power in your prayers. Could you teach us? Here's what all that says. They didn't know how to pray yet. Somehow in all of the religion and all of the, the different like traditions and all of these different moments, they somehow felt disqualified to pray to God because they didn't know how. Jesus makes it super simple as we're gonna study these passages in our series together. But listen to what one commentator says. When it comes to prayer, God isn't grading essays. He's not like, oh, you need some grammarly son, right? He said, he's talking to children. So if God can delight in prayers as dysfunctional as the ones we find wedged in the middle of the Bible, he can handle yours too without you cleaning them up first. If the Bible tells us anything about how to pray, it says that God much prefers the rough draft of full rants and typos to polished, edited versions. C.S. Lewis said of prayer, we must lay before him What is in us, not what ought to be in us? Man, have you? Do you believe that God prefers the rough draft? You don't have to be polished. You'd say, "I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to do." In the words of Roberta Bondi, she says, "This: If you are praying, you are already doing it right. If you're praying." You're already doing it right. You're already on your way. You're already making a difference in your own life. You're, you're already stepping in the right direction. But what about this? What about this prayer that a lot of us, we hold back some things in our life because what if God doesn't answer? And so we, we fear the no in our life and so we won't give out the ask. But what are you already living in if you don't ask? The No. You're already living in it. You're already living your worst nightmare. But for a lot of us, it is, well, man, if I just don't say it, then there's, there's still a chance. You're already living in the no. You're already living in the heartache of that moment. It's better just to ask. It's better to just get it out there and believe that if there is a no to the way in which you prayed or the, what you prayed, that God's got something better on the other side. That is what Jesus says. Hey, could this cup pass me? No, but not my will be done, but yours. Your plan's better than mine. And so I wonder for like how many of us in this room right now, our prayer life is struggling because man, we're just afraid to ask. What if God doesn't answer? What if God answers in a way that I I don't like? You know, like when you have parents when you're a kid and you have a big ask, right? Like, can I go to so-and-so's house to stay the night? And you're like, well, go ask. And you're like, I don't, you got to choose the right parent, right? Because one's going to say yes, one's going to say no. My kids do that all the time. In fact, this morning, one of the kids asked, can I play Nintendo this morning? I heard Kelsey downstairs say no. So they came upstairs to me. Hey dad, could I play Nintendo this morning? Because they thought I was weak, right? And I was like, no. And they're like, well, you could, why? I said, I heard your mom say no. And they're like, well, you could change it. And I said, no, nah, we're on a team. We're on a team, so no Nintendo today. But how many of us are afraid to ask? Like, you can relate this to your parents or maybe growing up or in school or whatever. You're just afraid to ask because, man, like, what if you get the answer you don't like? That might cause us to question in here what you're praying for. I've never been afraid to ask my dad for food. I've never been afraid in my life to ask my mom for a hug. I've never in my life been afraid to let them know what I need. Now, I have been afraid to ask them for things that I do not need. Like, can I get a new car? You have a car. Yeah, but a new one would be nice. That was 16-year-old Blake right there. I need a stick shift. I got to figure out how to do this. You're depriving me of knowledge if this doesn't happen, right? Like that's the way it goes. But man, for so many of us, maybe the question to ask yourself right now is, is the reason I'm afraid to ask God for something because I'm just afraid of the answer or because deep down I really know that this isn't something I should be asking for? Like deep down in my soul, in my heart, I know This isn't what I need to be asking for. So you're afraid, right? So you hold it back. And maybe some of that that disappointment, we can get ahead of some of those things when we really analyze what we're actually asking for. And then finally, do my prayers even matter? Does God even hear what I'm saying? Do they even matter? Does this even make a difference? Like, why pray? Prayer is not so much about changing the mind of God, but preparing your heart for what the mind of God has. Can I say that again? Prayer is not so much about changing the mind of God, but preparing your heart for what the mind of God has. Because let me ask you, if we really believe in an infinite, all-powerful, all-loving, all-good, all-gracious God, why would we ever want to change his mind? Why? Why would we ever go, hey, I want to change your mind? The reality is we just don't see the good that God is doing yet. And here's the beautiful thing about our faith when it comes to prayer in our lives. In Christianity, prayer is an ought, not an obligation. That's a big deal. And there are in certain religions in our world that prayer is an obligation. If you come with me to Israel, you'll see this. I mean, some of you see it firsthand, but in certain religions, like it is like you heard the call, you better pray. You better turn your face towards Mecca. You better get on that mat and you better pray. Otherwise you're in a big problem. Prayer is not forced by God, but it's something we ought to do. And some of us in our life need to get to the ought and not the obligation because here is the reality of what prayer is. Listen to this quote. Prayer is about presence before it's about anything else. If you want to get in the presence of God, if you want to experience God, if you want to know God on a deeper level, it's not just about playing music over and over again. It's not just about being around cool people who sing the way that you do and look the way that you do and all of these things. So many of us need to realize that the presence of God is in prayer. He's He's there. And it's a better presence almost because he's with you intimately. Not with other people around and not that you can't get lost in those moments. But man, so many of us are seeking an experience and not a presence. Well, I feel good and all of these things, great. But what did you just experience? Because you can have a spiritual experience and it not be a divine one. Somebody like, I don't know about that. Anybody in here been to a concert with your favorite band ever? And you get in there and they start playing and it's euphoric and you feel it and you're singing or you're crying. You're having a spiritual experience. You're not having a divine one. Prayer is this moment of authenticity. We don't need to drum up the band. We don't need to bring in the smoke. We don't need to have the lights and we don't need Cody singing. We just need him with no other distraction, with nothing else. And I really believe, and I want the young people in the room to hear this, stop chasing experiences, start chasing presence. Because let me just tell you something, experience will, will get you nowhere. But when you know the presence of God and you learn to recognize the presence of God, that's better. And you think, when where's that in the Bible? Daniel in the lion's den. That wasn't a great experience, but it was sure full of presence, wasn't it? It's not like, God, where's a smoke machine? Is this 3D? Can I have a piano to get through this moment? A little pad so that I could just get like a synthy feel in here, God, this is hot. This is scary. What about the fiery furnace? That, not a pleasant experience, I would imagine. I burned my finger one time. It was terrible, okay? What does it say? The Bible says, and they looked in, and there was another in the fire with them. The experience was awful. The presence was unbelievable. Some of us in this room are selling ourselves short in our Christianity because we're chasing experience and not presence. And there are Christians all over the world that can't have great experiences. But man, I think they hear and know the voice of God Better than many of us. And that means presence over experience. And let me tell you this. When you learn to experience the presence of God, those worship experiences will be magnified. They really will. They, they won't just be this moment where you walk out of here and the moment you get to the car, the experience is gone. Anyone ever been there? We, we used to say this about middle school camp and high school camp. You know, when you went to camp as a teenager, you'd get there, and, I mean, you're ready. You threw out all your CDs, right? Like you broke up with your girlfriend ten times. you you like, no, nah, I'm doing all of it. I'm, I'm never going to change. This is, I'm going to live in this experience forever. But how do you miss know that Camp High goes away, and real life touches in? And all of a sudden, what you experienced did nothing for you in the present situation. God's presence is always with us. Presence is better than experience. So it's an ought, but not an obligation. And I wonder for how many of us, because it's an ought and not an obligation, we're selling ourselves short in our experience with God. We're we're selling ourselves short in, in, in the moments that we really need to experience God, I'll tell you the greatest moments that I have had with God are praying and desperation. I, there's not, I, I cannot think of a moment of singing and I'm not going to sell it short. I've had incredible experiences in worship moments in church and outside of church. Like I've had incredible moments, but man, the way that I've heard God speak and the, the experience and the presence that I have with God in my prayer life, I would never trade that for an experience. It's been powerful. And here's the thing. It's not like those experiences are exclusive to pastors. It's for everybody. He's your dad. He's my dad. He's our father who art in heaven. Like he is for us. And so, man, uh, maybe some of us Need to really think about, yeah, it's an ought, not an obligation, but man, the only person that this is hurting is me. When I don't jump into this fully and when I don't experience this fully. And let me tell you something: it's about quality, not quantity. I mean, I'm telling you, God can do more in a moment than 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 He can in just it, oh man, I gotta be here for five hours. God spoke everything to into existence in a moment. God can do a lot in a moment. It's about quality, not quantity. Sometimes, guys, like if I'm honest with you, my prayer life is like, God, I'm just checking in. It's a really big day. Can you help me? Or I'm walking into a meeting with some people that we're going to deal with some things that are terrible. And it's not like I went from one meeting to the next meeting. And so when I parked the car and I'm walking into the building, it is please be with me. I need you. I don't know what to say here. How do you comfort someone in this situation? I don't know. It's quality, not quantity. So here's the deal, though. I think what stops a lot of us from praying regularly or at least going deeper in our prayer life is that we make it so much harder than it needs to be. Don't make it harder than it needs to be. I mean, some of us like, it's like, well, I got to light this candle and have this music on and the lights have to be at this percentage of dimming and the AC needs to be at this degree and the fan needs to be turned on and I need to be in the mood and man, I got to do all of these things. Like just start praying. You don't have to make it so complicated. It, it doesn't have to be harder than it already is. Why is it hard? I don't think it's because it's hard. I think getting there is the hard part. And so you're asking Pastor Blake, where do I start? Like, okay, so we're going to talk about all this prayer. And and I really believe that in this series, I want you to stick with us through this series because I really believe that your life will be changed through this series. We are talking about something that is so close to the heart of God in this series that I wouldn't want you to miss any of it. Because there were days when we started this church that I was walking around a building at 5.30 at night on a Saturday by myself. Or there was days when it was just Kelsey and I, or sometimes we had the kids with us, and we were just walking around this building, praying, and all of those fears entered my mind. And then I thought, man, i got to pray more. I should be praying longer. God will reward me if I pray more. Just like some of us believe if we give more, we get more. Uh, I don't know about that. Maybe if we give more, we won't need more. Giving is not so much about getting more, it's about freeing us of some things. And so what happens for so many of us is that we, we, we kind of do the bulk, right? Like we, okay, Pastor Blake's talking about prayer. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m., start the day right. That's like trying to go to the gym at 4. Ain't nobody doing that, right? So like you're setting yourself up for failure by making it harder than it needs to be when all you need to do is just start. So where do you start? Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Listen to what the Bible says. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. There's presence. Not experience, presence. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so what do you pray about? Anything. Any single thing that you want to pray about. If you want to pray for the dogs to be blessed, then just start there. If you want to pray that the food's not bad, then start there. Just start. And for some of us, it's like, man, I don't know what to pray for. Then start by listening. One of the greatest things that has changed my prayer life is that I start every prayer with this. Lord speak, and I just stop talking, and I just start listening, and you know what's incredible is through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, God says, pray about this. Start praying for this person. Pray for that person. Pray for this situation. Pray over this thing, and what I've learned is that, man, prayer is a dance, and God is taking the lead if I allow him, And I can be with him and I can experience him. And he does so much more than I could ever do. And he leads me in all of these things. But here's the reality. I think the greatest fear that stops us from praying is the fear that God doesn't want to listen to us. That he doesn't want to be near you. That he doesn't want to hear from you. That he's tired of you that he's sick of you and you're annoying to him. And that could not be further from the truth. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, Israel has been a little annoying. Israel has done some things that they shouldn't be doing. Israel has gone far away from God. And I want you to hear what God says to Israel through Jeremiah in chapter 29, verse 12 to 13. This is what the Bible says. Then you will call on me. And come and pray to me. And that's where a lot of us think, and not do anything, and not talk about anything, and not hear me. But the word of the Lord says something so different, and I will listen to you. I'll hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. What a beautiful word to a nation of people who have turned their back on God. And God goes, Jeremiah, the house, like my, this house, the house of the people will we built on the Lord. That's what so many of us know, right? We all know Jeremiah 29, 11. Great are the plans that I have for you. You're like, that's really good. And he says, my plans are that you would pray and seek me and find me. Like it's right after that you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. He is a good father in heaven who wants to hear from his children and God wants to hear from you. A couple of years ago, uh, Elon Musk and the group, they were getting ready to launch a brand new car, the Model 3. And if you guys remember, they were talking about it all the time on the news that he wasn't going to make enough cars and he wasn't going to make the deadline and all of these things. And, and he, so you, you start to hear about like he, this gigafactory and all of these things. And so Elon Musk, while they were in their most desperate time, slept in his office in the factory. And someone said like, so why did you sleep here? And it wasn't so that I can make sure everything's going right. It was if they need me, I'm here. That if there is a moment that there's a question or an issue, or we got to make a financial decision because we need to order some new equipment, otherwise, this isn't going to happen. I was not far away. I was just in the room next door. All they needed to do was to come in and wake me up. I was always near. You're like, man, that, what an incredible leader. What a, wow, he was so available. And yet our father in heaven tells us what? I am near. I am here. And I want to hear from you. I want to hear what is on your heart. I want to hear what is going on. And I want to speak into that for you. Because I love you. And so he is not a distant father who is far away in an ivory tower. He is one moment away, one prayer away. He is here right now. We just got to start speaking. God doesn't have a voicemail. You don't call and he goes, sorry, busy. There's a lot going on in Russia. Sorry, I'm busy. Ukraine is a mess. Sorry, busy. Things over here are going bad. Venezuela is a wreck. I don't have time for you. It is what? Seek me with all of your heart and I will be there and you will know me. And if that Christian doesn't change your life to know that the creator of the universe is here, I don't know what else can change your life. Some of us would be so honored to have someone's phone number in our phone right? Like there, there's like phone numbers in my phone of people that I, that I met a long time ago that it's like, I have, man, their phone numbers in my phone. I could call them. Anyone ever felt that way? Like I could call them right now. Isn't that crazy? And you're like, no, you can call God right now. The creator of that person the sustainer of that person, the sustainer of our universe. And you could call him. And how many of us are freaking out because we got God's number? There is a power and a presence and a privilege that is right at our fingertips that we only need to grasp. And all it starts with is, hey, can I talk? Hey, can you talk? I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to hear and the God of the universe who made you and formed you in your mother's womb, who created your very being, is ready to talk. This series, I believe, will change everything. I really, really believe that it will. And so we want to resource you as we get ready to step into this new season. We did this last year. A lot of churches do it. I think it's a great thing that we all do it. So starting February 1st, We as a church, as a body of believers, are going to go through 21 days of prayer and fasting. 21 days of intentional time of us seeking after God. And so here's what I want to clear up a little bit. One is what is fasting? Fasting can be abstaining from anything. Not just food. Some of us in here are like, I I have a condition. I can't not eat food. Great. But you cannot go on Facebook. Great. You cannot go on Instagram, great, you can, there's something that you could, you don't need Starbucks today. In the time that we would normally spend doing those things, we intentionally set aside for the Lord. That's it, that's, fasting is this, like this is the way fasting is supposed to work. A physical reminder, my tummy hurts and I'm hungry, I got missed meal cramps, is supposed to go, your soul needs God more. That's what fasting is. Fasting is a way of your body going, oh, I need him. And it's a way to use our bodies as this physical reminder of our need for him. That's what fasting is. And so here's what I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you to ask God what he is asking you to give up for 21 days. 21 days. What is it going to be? Like is, I've, the most I've ever fasted food is 10 days. I'm still here. I made it. I survived. But if you can't do that, that's okay. Maybe it's a type of food. Maybe it's something you really love. Whatever you give more attention to would be the thing that I would take away. Because whatever you give more attention to is a functional God in your life. And so a fast is a way for you and I to go, hey, I'm actually gonna use that thing that's meant to take me from you to push me towards you. And so whatever that is, Facebook, Instagram, I don't know what it is. But then what I'm going to ask is this, that you join us every day in praying together. You say, Pastor Blake, I don't know what to pray about. That's awesome because we put a prayer guide for you online. And so if you go on our website right now, bedrocksarasota.com, you will see a link with a button right there for 21 days of prayer. If you click on that link, there's articles given to you there that gives you tips on prayer and fasting. And it can give you a guide about what to pray about every single day. And it will actually explain to you different types of prayer. So we want to equip you and resource you and all of these things. But if at the end of the day, the only thing that you do over the 21 days is just say, Hey, I don't know what to pray about. Can you help me? If you're praying, you're already doing it right. And here's what I think will happen at the end of those 21 days your life will be radically changed. I firmly and truly, fully believe that, that if you commit to these 21 days, it could change the trajectory of your life and your walk with God. And some of you go like, well, I already do it every day. Great, then it's time to go deeper. I was challenged with this the other day. Martin Luther, he was talking uh, to a group of people in this person. They were talking about his prayer life. He got up very early to pray. You don't have to do that. God's up all the time. So anytime you want to pray, he's there. And so they said, man, what do you do on very busy days? Well, how do you handle that? Right? Because a lot of us are like, well, we would just make our prayer shorter. Luther said, oh, on the days that I'm busier, I need him more. So I pray longer. I wake up an hour earlier and begin to pray because he realized that through prayer he was changed and God did something incredible in his life. And here's a beautiful thing. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to know the whole Bible. You could have never opened the Bible and you can still pray. You don't need to know a certain language. You don't need to know a certain formula. You can just start. And so this series is going to be about beginning to take us on a deeper journey through our prayer life. And so as we get ready to end this evening, I told you it was going to be a little bit more of a teaching moment than it was just going to be all of these life application moments. The application of this moment is to do it. That is the application. There is no other formula. There is no other gimmick or anything like that. It is literally let us pray. So you got a couple days to prepare yourself. February 1st is a Wednesday. We're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting together. Time to seek the Lord to see what he has for you. On the last day of the 21 days, this building is going to be open for 24 hours. We are going to have staff here praying 24 hours a day. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We are going to put a sign-up sheet out after next week when we start this together. And I'm gonna ask for you to sign up to come pray for us for 15 minutes, to pray for 30 minutes, to pray for an hour, to pray for five hours. I don't know. But one of our staff will be here waiting and available to you. Music will be on, lights will be on, the doors will be unlocked and we will have you here to pray with us. And let us see what God does this year through our church and in your life.